Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, and welcome to Ticket for One, the podcast that celebrates female solo travel. My name is Kate Wills, I'm a travel journalist, and each week I'm going to be speaking to a woman who inspires me about her adventures alone. Today's guest is the travel and nature writer Ginny Reddy. Ginny has been a travel journalist for many years, reporting from around the world for publications like The Guardian, The Telegraph and National Geographic Traveller. In 2016, she wrote her debut book Wild Times about her experiences of connecting with nature in Britain. And I recently read Ginny's latest book Wonderland about her quest to find the spiritual side of the UK. In Wonderland, Ginny goes on solo adventures in search of everything from secret labyrinths to women who worship the goddess. I'm not surprised that it was shortlisted for the Wainwright Prize. Ginny was born in London, grew up in Montreal, Canada, and her parents are of Indian heritage from apartheid-era South Africa. She's also lived in Provence, Georgia, and Hong Kong. I'm always very aware of the lack of diversity in travel writing and also that as a white middle-class woman I travel with a layer of privilege that not everyone enjoys. So I was keen to hear Ginny's experiences of what it's like to travel the world alone as a woman of Asian descent. We also chatted about quitting her job and going hiking in Nepal without a plan or any walking experience, the time she met Mother Teresa while looking for the toilet and a five-night vision quest she did in the Pyrenees with a shaman and a yeti. Hi, Ginny. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, that's so kind. I absolutely loved Wonderland. I basically read it in, in one sitting. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I'm, I'm really glad. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just thought it was great. And it, it really resonated so much with, with the way that I like to travel and kind of not having a plan and, and just kind of walking and, and being open to, to your surroundings. So yeah, I just, I just thought it was fantastic. For people who haven't read it, the, the book is, is all about a, a search for magic, really, or, or the kind of the other in the, in the landscape. But I think that it's also about the magic that can happen when you're traveling by yourself, too. Was, was that an important part of the book that you that you were having some of these adventures solo? Yes, I think it was a huge, huge part because, as I say in the book, the way I traveled, you know, it wasn't an A to B kind of journey. I wasn't sticking pins on a map because I was 
searching for the magic in the landscape. I wanted to enter into the spirit of that. And that meant um, invoking the divine in the landscape and following my intuition and practicing deep listening um, and going in and connecting deeply with within myself and within the nature around me. And I don't think I could have done that easily with somebody else. And it was a kind of a pilgrimage in a way, the whole the whole book and the whole journey. And, and those are best done either on your own or with somebody of like mind. Mm, absolutely. And and I think especially as as women, when we do kind of take these trips by ourselves, it's often when we're sort of seeking something or searching for some kind of higher meaning. What have been your your experiences of, of solo travel? I know that you've you've traveled extensively and you've you've lived abroad as well. What tell me kind of like your first sort of ventures into into going it alone? Um, well, I was I was thinking about that. And I think when I was 13, my parents put me on a plane. Um, I was living in Canada. So I, I was born in the UK, grew up in Canada. My mum and dad are Indian from South Africa. And uh, so when I was 13, my parents put me on a plane. Um, and I went to visit my sister who then lived in the Scottish Highlands. So, so that was my first experience. Wow, that's quite young then. To... It was, yes. How did you feel about it? excited and scared because I had to pay, change planes in Heathrow and that was a very big deal for me. <laughs> yeah I can imagine and then obviously when you got there your sister was there but what what about some some kind of travel experiences that you've embarked on? So if we're talking about travel that it is not about you know commissioned travel that I've done as a travel writer you know, those lovely bespoke trips where you go off and got a guide catering to your every yeah. <laughs> So proper solo travel. I think my first big adventure when I decided to quit my job, I was in my 20s and I had this idea that I was going to go to Nepal and become a volunteer. And now this was pre-internet and I I didn't know what I was going to do exactly. I didn't plan it very well. I wrote a letter, you know, you know, those things. <laughs> I remember those, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, a friend of a friend of a friend, basically inviting myself to stay with them. And I didn't get a reply. And somehow I just assumed they would be waiting for me at the airport. And <laughs> I, I quit my job. I was working in publishing at the time. And I turned up in Nepal, you know, I'd had this long, this big going away party, I flew to Nepal and I turned up and of course there was nobody waiting for me. And um, so, you know, the first 24 hours were really traumatic, quite, you know, quite a shock to the system. Yeah. Wow. And then I decided, you know, I got my wits about me and I decided I was going to go trekking on this um, 21 day Annapurna circuit trek. And I didn't have a group to go with, you know, I didn't have a, there were no Sherpas carrying my kit. I'd only ever hiked day hikes in the Peak District. I bought uh, a rucksack from the market and it was this like flimsy number and I think the strap broke on day one. But I, I, met somebody, <laughs> I met somebody the day before I planned to go out on my own, which is pretty crazy, you know, doing the, it's just a major hike. It's a 21 day hike. And he said, you know, I'll come with you. And I, I'm so grateful to him because this hike involved crossing a 5,500 meter pass it's one of the highest passes in the Him wow. in the Nepalese Himalayas I mean I was totally clueless but you know this this trip was a very big deal because although it was very challenging uh, it was also very beautiful and I kind of it kind of gave me my travel legs so to speak 
I bet it did. I love that. I love the confidence of youth that you had, that you were just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this massive check by myself. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, you, you've kind of not really looked back since. And, and that kind of love of, of nature and hiking is, is a big part of your travels, I know. Um, if you had to pick your best solo travel moment, what would it be? I think it's been those those moments when I've I've had very immersive, sustained experiences um, in in nature. And I think one that springs to mind, and this is in the book as well, it's kind of kickstarted things in some ways. I went up and did this uh, five night fast and wild camping kind of vision quest in the Pyrenees, completely on my own for five days and four nights. I had a tent, I had nine bottles of water, almost no food, you know, an apple and some nuts. And this, this shaman had walked me up there and, you know, cause we'd done it in this, in this particular way. And he said, you know, this is the, the right peak for you and um, see you down the mountain in five days. And by the way, the Yeti lives in that forest right now. <laughs> Bye. Um, Good to know. And, <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, so, there, so this was, a, a wow. this was a very immersive um, five days and I had to confront a lot of fears and I heard a very strange noise on the, the first night and, yeah, so so I'd say that really that that experience it was very immersive and um, it stayed with me for a long time. In terms of the kind of solo travel where I've gone out into the world and into you know into a city, and I think the time that I I ended up in Calcutta. So after I had left Nepal, I still wanted to volunteer, and somehow I found my way to Calcutta and ended up volunteering in an orphanage. And you know this this was a very quite a transformative time for me because I'd always lived in a very you know nice neighborhood in in Montreal and suddenly I was confronting poverty up close and you know since then I've experienced India as a travel writer you know with with lovely accommodation and I've experienced the wealth in India and middle class India but this was this was you know poverty raw poverty up up close and in my face and it just really shook me it took me out of myself and it made me realize that people live in, in vastly different ways. That really stayed with me. Wow. And um, was that when you met Mother Teresa at yes. that time? Yes, I was volunteering with Mother Teresa, Teresa myself and, you know, loads of volunteers. And obviously, you know, I think we got more out of it than the children did because, you know, they stayed in the orphanages. We would come, we would visit, we would give some love and then we'd go. We were very privileged to be able to do that. They, they couldn't, you know, it's, it's important to stress that. But yes, it was. I met Mother Teresa. Um, the way I met her was for me amazing. I, I remember turning up at her headquarters because I wanted to use the loo. They had a nice loo, and um, <laughs> I could see her talking to some businessmen, and I didn't want to interrupt. So I went to the loo, and when I you know, quietly scuttled across, and when I I came out, I felt this hand on my forehead, uh, patting my forehead, and. And this woman, you know, I, I looked down and I could see these very gnarled feet in sandals and this woman patting my head saying, bless you, my child, bless you, my child. And I looked up and it was Mother Teresa. Wow. Good decision to go to the loo then. Yeah, <laughs> good, good loo trip. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. And and you're, I, I, I really wanted to say I love 
in the book how how honest you are about you know how difficult it can be being on your own sometimes you know you do go into the low moments I suppose as well as as well as the highs and the the bit that stuck out for me was um I think you were on Iona the island when um you felt too shy and, and nervous to to go down to the pub so you just sort of stayed in your room and and ate some apples and <laughs> that really uh yeah felt very familiar to me when when you know you do you can be brimming with with confidence by day and exploring all these things by yourself and then you know in the evening you're, you it's just too intimidating to go by yourself to a oh, restaurant yes. or, or the pub <laughs> what are some other hard hard things about traveling alone and how have you kind of overcome them well definitely you know what you've just said eating alone in the evening I have found I find that the hardest thing in the world particularly when you're in, in a country where or people generally don't do that you know, the, where the locals don't do that. So you have to sort of, you know, I've had to sort of brace myself and push the door of the restaurant open. And it's just so uncomfortable. And the way I get around that is, um, you know, sometimes I just scarf down my meal and left in a hurry. Um, other <laughs> yeah. times I've taken, tried to take a book, but am I really reading my book? No, not really. Or a glass of wine can help. Yeah, so I say that's that for me is the toughest thing. I think once as a travel writer, I remember I was commissioned and I went to Mumbai and I was supposed to go and visit this nightclub. And of all in India, of all places, I mean, you know, a nightclub in Mumbai, women don't go to nightclubs on their own. And there I was on my own having to go to this nightclub. And so I, I had to I, I think I had a drink and then I had another drink. And then I thought, OK, I'm going to go. And uh, I remember there was a long queue and there was a sign that said, you know, men on their own were not allowed in. And I remember thinking, well, what about women on their own? You know, what, what? <laughs> and going in and, and just standing at the bar for 45 minutes. I think I had this man on my left and a man on my right. And I think they just thought, who is this very strange person? And made small talk for 45 minutes and then left. <laughs> <laughs> you did clubbing. You went clubbing by yourself. <laughs> yes. I thought, I thought that was very brave. I thought That's that was really brave. <laughs> really brilliant yeah and I also just and just the loneliness sometimes when you're traveling alone I mean you can't it's unavoidable the loneliness there are moments you know not being able to turn to somebody and and say well what do you think should we do this or should we do that or not being able to share something beautiful absolutely and and you kind of have to make all the decisions which is which can be brilliant and liberating but it can also be quite tiring can't it yes definitely When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And in the book, you you talk about um, how, I suppose, conspicuous you can sometimes feel being an Asian woman, especially traveling in, in, in certain places or among that sort of outdoorsy camping culture, which still seems to be very white and, and also very male in a, in a lot of places. Tell me what that, that feels like and how it's kind of shaped your travel experiences. I think that's always been the case wherever I've gone in the world. Um, at, some, at some part of my brain, I'm always thinking, you know, no matter how excited I am, I'm always thinking, how, how will I be received? Will people be friendly? Will they not be friendly? You know, and I think in the UK, particularly in the countryside, when I come to a pub, I'm always bracing myself before I enter a pub because I'm pretty sure, you know, as you say, the countryside is a very white environment and very rarely do I see somebody who looks like me in a pub and, and, you know, a woman on her own anyway is relatively unusual and a woman of Indian heritage on her own is doubly so. So, you know, I walk in and I'm aware of being clocked. And the people looking, you know, the eye is drawn to difference and, you know, people may be thinking nothing, maybe be thinking something positive, they may be completely indifferent. But for me, it's disconcerting. You just never quite know what the welcome will be like. And, and I have to say, I've had largely positive experiences, otherwise I wouldn't have written this book. And I wrote another book before that to do with nature and a guidebook to do with Britain. And so I wouldn't be doing these things if I didn't have positive experiences. But there's this other thing going on all the time. Yeah, always in the back of your mind kind of thing. Even as a travel writer, I think that's really interesting because I've I've gone on trips, you know, these lovely bespoke trips and I've turned up and the host, I can tell, is just slightly taken aback, particularly when it's a high-end trip. I just thought what they were expecting. And I remember once going to Colombia and my guide um, was blonde and everywhere we went, everyone thought I was the Colombian. <laughs> and oh, she was the guide, which I didn't mind at all because I thought that was I took that as a compliment. If yeah, was, you yeah. fit right in. You're just like such a local already. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I think when you are living in London or or any sort of very multicultural city, you kind of take it for granted that that people will have you know experienced other people from you know all different backgrounds and races. But I guess in in some places that you travel to, that's that's not always the case and and that must be like a just a just a different experience I guess yes and and, and also you know there are positives as well there have been times when I met people from indigenous cultures and I have found it easier to bond with them because you know there's no whiff of colonialism about me however distant 
there's no differential lowering of eyes. I've been othered, they've been othered, so it's easier for trust to form. And women of colour, in, in, particularly in villages abroad, you know, I sense their trust and curiosity and, and warmth and ease. But at the same time, in countries particularly like India, you know, people put white people on a pedestal. So I may not get, you know, the fantastic treatment that somebody would get if they were white. So there were all these nuances going on all the time. Oh, really interesting. And and travel writing, of course, is a genre that's, you know, still very white and male. Do you feel like things are getting more diverse? And and, and why is it so important that we have diversity in, in travel? Well, I think it, things are beginning to change. And I think uh, particularly since the Black Lives Matter uh, protests, there's been a greater awareness amongst commissioning editors. Um, of the need for greater diversity. But why, okay, why do things need to change? When I read features, you know, lazy tropes about exotic landscapes, well, it's not exotic to the people who are from this place, but, but they're, you know, they're not considered when people are writing these things. Because if you if you don't have somebody from another culture writing a, an article, you're never going to consider that. Uh, what else? People from abroad or other, they're treated as a colourful backdrop colonialism seen through the misty haze of misty nostalgia (laughs) yeah colonialism for the colonized was not a fun thing it involved slavery and genocide um and displacement you know like my pet peeve is articles which talk about places to work on your tan (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so true writing yeah exactly you know why is the assumption that your reader is white and also, oh God, articles that talk about how fantastically welcoming the locals are. Um, and I'm thinking, well, would they be welcoming towards me? Would they be welcoming towards a black male or a black woman? So, you know, it's, that's why it's important. It's very important. Yeah, just, just to kind of check your perspective, I suppose, as well as your privilege. And, and you know, the more people who are in the room, the more interesting the stories are. I just think you basically get more interesting stories. Totally. And especially, you know, as you mentioned, your parents being South African Indian and then and then you yourself born in London, but grew up partly in, in Canada. So all, all of those kind of different backgrounds inspiring your your perspective on travel and, and where you're going and just that kind of breadth and diversity in the background, I guess, makes for a richer piece of writing often. I think so. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I've had a lot of positive feedback, you know, from the book, from that that angle, because you don't see a lot of people um, of colour writing books, particularly to do with nature writing. Yeah. The book straddles travel, nature writing and spirituality, I guess. Yeah. Just being in nature generally, I think, in certain parts of the UK and the US, you know, I'm thinking of that that incident that you know we all heard about a few months ago in Central Park of the Black Bird Watcher and how you know for for some people it's being on their own in a kind of like remote place doesn't always feel feel safe or, or comfortable. I often feel safe on my own in in the countryside because I feel you know from a shamanic perspective I guess I feel quite protected by the the nature around me. But I do wonder, for instance, if you're, um, you know, a black male on your own in the countryside, 
you know, how are you going to be perceived? You don't see too many black male hikers. So what are you going to be dealing with? On the other hand, I have friends who live in the countryside and they're very open-minded. They're very wonderful, you know, quite wonderful, broad-minded people. So I don't think people are inherently more racist in the countryside than they are they are anywhere else. I think it's more that it is a very white environment and people are not used to seeing people who are black or Asian or from other marginalized backgrounds quite so much. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm like every other woman, you know, if if I'm hiking along and, and you know, there's some somebody sort of following along and, and I can't lose them, well, you know, I'm like every other woman, I'll I'll sort of change my change direction, <laughs> you know, head to the nearest farmhouse yeah. or something. Yeah, I think as women we often sort of have a bit of an inbuilt sort of protection <laughs> system where if we don't feel comfortable we have we have our strategies. And we all have our, you know, prejudices and biases that are that are working all the time. You know, that guy might not be a threat at all, but, you know, in your head, it's like, oh, I'm alone and I'm in the middle of nowhere. So suddenly it feels exactly. Like, yeah, a different thing. Do you have any tips for solo travel first timers, particularly women? I think, you know, there are the obvious tips. So so first of all, the obvious tips, things like doing your research, read books by authors from the places you're going, um, find out about the culture and the do's and don'ts, be respectful, dress modestly, check out the political situation, don't wander alone at night, um, you know, be open and friendly, but know your boundaries. But I also think, you know, particular to first timers, women going solo is, is just accept that you will feel some anxiety. You know, that's actually part of it. And try to trust that that will dissolve once you get going. I think one of the loveliest things about traveling solo is when you get to that sweet spot, when you kind of have got through the, the discomfort and you're really enjoying yourself and you've kind of done it on your, on your own steam. Yeah, it's so empowering, that feeling, isn't it? You're like, I, I did it. Yeah, I did it. But also, if you're hiking alone, if you're considering going off on some great big long multi-day hike somewhere far flung, and you've never done any hiking before, you know, just try going on a day-long hike in the UK. Yeah, it's good tip. I always, when I hike, I always take a walking stick. It's very good if you get, you know, dogs growling at you, um, and it just gives you a feeling of confidence and um, I carry a whistle I, I'd say I carry a map but I can't read maps very well so that never really helps me very much. I'm terrible at maps too that's so funny isn't it everyone always thinks oh you're a travel writer you must have a great sense of direction it's like no just permanently lost um, and are, are there things that you always pack when you're going by yourself other than the the walking stick and um, I, I think just the obvious stuff you know I, I always pack a whistle but, you know, a notepad, laptop, phone. Uh, sometimes I carry a shawl because that gives me a feeling of, of cosiness in the evenings. That's really important, isn't it? To feel kind of, if you haven't got that human comfort or connection, I think it's really important that you that you feel warm and comfortable in what you're wearing, actually, yes, when you're, yeah. you're travelling. What kind of solo travel do you like to do? All kinds, really. I mean, I, I have recently been been getting quite into my walking as well, actually. <laughs> Definitely not a pro hiker by any means. But um, yeah, I just got back from the Lake District, actually, where, you know, I went for some really lovely walks and, and did feel very 
towny I like the bit in your book where you think oh god everyone's gonna think oh she's looking at her phone you know typical Londoner and in in the lakes obviously you know there's some real like serious outdoors <laughs> wear going on and I was there in my kind of Nike trainers and a leather jacket which probably, oh, probably was just a really wrong thing to wear but uh yeah had an amazing amazing time that, that is so brilliant you know <laughs> I'm not expert at all I mean I'm a really kind of bumbling hiker I just kind of I just want to do it but it doesn't mean I'm I'm an expert I think people stop stop themselves from doing things because they're afraid that they need to be good at things and because it can be intimidating like you say in the lake district there are all these super super hikers the right kit you can feel that if you don't have the right kit that you shouldn't even try or something yes that's really true I think in in lots of areas of life actually like you don't you don't need to wait until you're like fully qualified or you know 100% ready you know sometimes you've just got to got to go for things with you know the wrong the wrong kit and the, <laughs> and the and no map and just kind of wing it a bit which is what I like tell me where's next on your your list I mean I'm guessing like like everyone your your travels have been on pause for a little while yes um actually next week I'm going to the Isle of Lewis in the Hebrides yeah. interesting is that somewhere you've been before um I've been to the Hebrides before I've been to Iona once and it features in Wonderland but I've not been to the Isle of Lewis before I think I wanted to a long time ago because the beaches look incredible I, I heard this story once that um that uh, an island in the Caribbean um, used a picture of a, a, a beach really? on the Isle of Lewis in their brochure and didn't find <laughs> where it was. Wow, that's amazing! So you know, Caribbean beaches await you, hopefully. But I'm I'm going I'm I'm going with a very good friend, and it's the kind of friend. You see, this is the thing about traveling with somebody. It's got to be the kind of person you can be with and not feel you have to talk all the time. Somebody who appreciates, you know who also needs their, their own time. So you don't feel you have to be together all the time. That's really important too. Yeah, that's key, isn't it? And that's actually a nice way, I think, if you're a bit nervous about doing a solo trip, is you know, maybe you go with a friend and then you you split up for a couple of days and then you you reunite and share what you've experienced can be quite a nice way of getting a taste of it without actually just being solo. I think that's fantastic. And you just enjoy each other's company so much more too. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, Lewis Lewis is going to be great. Wow, I bet there's lots of magic and mystical <laughs> experiences. Well, beautiful wildlife, definitely. Um, probably rain, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Ginny, for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your solo travel experiences. Well, thank you for having me. I find Ginny's approach to solo travel so inspiring and totally agree that the best adventures are about far more than just getting from A to B. But I also know that when holiday time is precious or your budget is limited, it can feel really difficult to rip up the checklist of must-sees and just go where the wind takes you. So here are my tips for how you can plan to have no plan. Try and give yourself at least one day on a trip with no obligations or reservations or plans and just let yourself explore and be spontaneous. 
Yes, you might miss that world famous art gallery, but that's not going anywhere and you might end up discovering something a bit more interesting instead. I also know people who literally put a pin in a map when deciding where to go on their next adventure. A more modern alternative might be to use the website Skyscanners Anywhere search function, which throws up flights to random destinations. EasyJet's app also has a lucky trip widget and Google Earth has an I'm feeling lucky button, both of which let you spin the travel roulette and see where you might end up. If you find yourself at a loose end and you're looking for something to do, it can be fun to grab a local listings magazine, flick through it without looking and just stop on a random page. Whatever's on it is where you're going that night, which can end up in some pretty interesting scenarios. That's all from me. Thank you so much for listening to Ticket for One. I'll be back next week or you can follow me on Instagram at Kate Wills Writes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate and review it as it really helps with getting a new podcast out there. And please share your questions and your experiences of solo travel with me by emailing ticketforonepodcast at gmail.com. I hope to see you next week and goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.